anything and everything that you put your mind into doing, you're so capable and only you define your limits. So you tell yourself what you want to accomplish and it doesn't matter if society, if statistics even say that you can't, you can. Because let me tell you something. I went on a website that would just tell me um, sort of like the percent chance that I had into getting to certain schools and my percent chance of getting into Dartmouth was less than 5%. I'm not gonna give you the numbers because I say less than 5% and look at where I am. Not even statistics define you. So it's just go on and conquer the world and be who you truly want to be. Not what anybody else tells you. Welcome to Highest Aspirations, an education podcast that explores the world of English language learners and how we can make a greater impact. Each episode, we bring you voices from across the ELL community to discuss the issues that matter most. Highest Aspirations is brought to you by Elevation Education, your partner for ELL program management and instruction. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Highest Aspirations. I'm your host, Steve Sophronis. How do students deal with the stigma sometimes associated with English learners and immigrants in our schools and communities? What are some of the main factors that help ensure success for English learners? What can educators do to best support English learners in their schools? We discuss these questions and much more in our conversation with Take the Pledge Scholarship winner Melanie Quintero. Melanie is a recent high school graduate from Pembroke Pines, Florida, just outside Miami. She is beginning her higher education journey at Dartmouth College this fall, where she is studying biomedical engineering. She came to the U.S. from Cuba at age nine with her family, and as you'll hear in this episode, she attributes much of her English learning to the Hannah Montana series. Melanie's story exemplifies the educational journey of so many English learners across the country, and we were really happy to speak with her. For more information about Elevation's Take the Pledge Scholarship for English Learners, visit takethepledge.net. As always, be sure to check out our Whiteboard Wednesday short video series and weekly What We're Reading newsletter of curated articles from the EL world. You can find those resources at elevationeducation.com slash ELL community. While you're there, join the EL community to get all those resources delivered directly to your inbox. Finally, we'd love to hear your feedback please consider leaving us a review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Let's get started. Melanie Quintero, welcome to Highest Aspirations and congratulations on winning the Take the Pledge Scholarship. Hi, thank you for having me. Uh, It's a pleasure to have you on. We love uh, chatting with students. We actually don't do it enough, so I'm really happy to talk to you um, about winning the scholarship, your future plans, and sort of your experience um, as a student. So let's let's start there. I'd love to hear about what brought you and your family to Pembroke Pines, Florida, which I believe is it's in the Miami area. Am I right about that? Yes, it is. Great. So where is your family originally from, and why did you all decide to come to the U.S.? Yeah, so my family is originally from Cuba. I was born there, and I lived there until I was nine years old. And the difficult situation that is living in Cuba and just raising a child in Cuba was the main reason why my parents decided to just leave it all behind and come to a new country where they had to start basically from zero. Um, Just 
the situations, like a little bit about that is the teachers would be just high school students. So I had a high school student teaching me during third and fourth grade, which she didn't really understand the content herself. And she was trying to teach us. And there was also problems with like food availability. And there was just scarcity with water and electricity. It was just like terrible situation. And um, it wasn't my parents didn't see that fit to raise me and my little sister. And so we um, immigrated here and just moved in with our family that used to be here before us. Sure. So similar to similar to a lot of the stories we hear about people kind of just looking for a better life and coming to the U.S. And that's generally a story, like you said, of parents really wanting better um, for their children. And it sounds like they sacrificed um, a lot to get you here. Um, and obviously that that is playing out in um, in your future plans. And you came here when you were nine, you said, right? Yes, when I was nine years old. Yep. And obviously you're a native Spanish speaker, but already you can hear that your English is wonderful. And now you're a bilingual <laughs> person who's getting ready to go to college. And we talked before, and one of the interesting things that you said to me, which I thought was great, is that um, you said that you learned a lot of your English through watching the Hannah Montana series on TV. <laughs> so you have to tell us more about that because so many people, there's like this TV show that they watch that helps them learn English. Yeah. So when I came here, obviously we didn't have a lot of technology or resources. And we were gifted a DVD player. And my cousin um, gave me the first season of Hannah Montana in a CD. And so that was basically all I had available to myself. And I would just watch it over and over again in Spanish, actually. Not in English. I was so reluctant to watch it in English. And that was just sort of like my only escape from like everything. It was just like disconnect from all the um, problems and everything going on. And so um, I got sort of like bored of watching it in Spanish. And I decided to just shake things up a bit by watching it in English. And what I didn't know then was that I had begun to, of like the language that they use, I guess. So like the phrases they would use to say, I don't know, like water or simple things like that. And um, I would just go on and repeat it myself once I had my own conversations in English. And so that was just basically the Rosetta Stone (laughs) to my nine-year-old self. That's great. So it sounds like you, like, you know, you, you said you got bored with it. So it wasn't like an intentional thing. Like you weren't no. saying to yourself, oh, ahora voy a mirar en inglés porque quiero aprender. It wasn't like that. It was like, just, I'm going to shake things up because I'm a little bored. But then you realized that yeah. you had a little bit of a foundation, right? And you kind of yeah. built on that. That's great. That's, you know, it's funny. So many people um, have a show like that they watch. Like for some people, somebody I talked to recently, it was friends that they learned English from, right? And like, um, that's such a powerful thing. And I remember when I was in Spain, uh, I learned Spanish in Spain. And when I was there, um, you know, watching movies that I already knew in English, um, mm-hmm. in Spanish helped me understand because I kind of knew what the dialogue was. And then I was able to put words together. So it's a really powerful thing for sure. Exactly. Yeah, that's exactly what happened. And I didn't even know what's happening. Which is, which is even better, right? Yeah. You don't even know you're learning and you are. But then you realize it at some point, like that metacognition piece. That's mm-hmm. awesome. All right. Um, so the, we also talked about something else last time we chatted, and it was a little bit more kind of a, of a heavy theme that I want to get into, which is you, you brought up um, the stigma associated with immigrants and also EL students, which is real and something we talk about quite frequently in the podcast and here at Elevation as well. 
could you describe that stigma and how you experienced it um, as a student? Yeah. So when I, since my very first day of school here in the United States, it was very difficult for me to understand the, 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 my surroundings and the environment that I was in, just because no student wanted to approach me or be my friend, not even the Spanish speakers, who I knew that spoke Spanish because I saw them talking Spanish to others, not because they necessarily spoke Spanish towards me. They would totally like avoid me, and I didn't understand why at the moment, like at that time, and my only friends would be other immigrants that um, immigrated around the same time as me and were going through the same situation, who to this day are still one of my closest friends. And um, just like as I moved on and I sort of like began to better communicate with others, I would like approach them and ask them like, hey, like, why didn't you talk to me back then? Um, I, like, I was just trying to find like the answer to like, was it me? Like, was it something that I was doing? Like, I sh just because I wanted to correct what I was like, you know, correct myself and try to, you know, make changes to be more appealing to others. And they were like, no, it was just because you were an immigrant. We don't want to be around immigrants. And that to me was just like very shocking for like a child to say those things. And just like better, like looking it back, it is that stigma that society has given to immigrants because they talk about how immigrants are here to steal um, the jobs of others. So kids would be like, oh, you're here to steal my parents' jobs or to do me harm or something like that. Um, and just because kids are just like very aware of their surroundings and everything that's going on, even if we don't think that they understand, they truly do. They are very aware and um, they just carry on what they hear and see their parents do. And so um, just talking about those, um, just like, I don't know, like trans, transpassing, like giving students that information, they take it on as their own and they make their own assumptions based on um, just their surroundings. And sadly for me, that meant that they just didn't want to be my friends because I guess they were scared of what I could do to them when in reality, <laughs> I was like, I couldn't even hurt a fly. Yeah, that's, you know, that's a really sad answer, but it's a really poignant one and one that I think is worth listening to and hearing. You know, you mentioned a couple things that I think are key there that, you know, you said, I think it will surprise a lot of people to hear that it wasn't a language thing because where yeah. you are, there's a lot of Spanish speakers. It was yes. somebody who is new and an immigrant thing. And I, and I, I totally agree with you about, um, you know, that children do sort of take in what they hear around them, both from their parents, from the media, if there's a television on, if they're on social media, if they're a little older, like you can get in this echo chamber of sort of only, only looking at the world in one way. Um, I also wonder if, and this kind of goes to my next question, which is like, why do you think that exists? And I think you got into that a little bit. But I wonder if, do you think also like there's there's sort of um, a, a fear that goes beyond just like, you know, immigrants are coming in and they're going to take my job, but just like a fear of somebody that's different. I, I also think like, we, th we're talking about this in Miami. In Miami is a very diverse area. Like this is a place mm -hmm. where, where it's known that it's, it's kind mm -hmm. of a lot of different people. So I wonder if do you think that that sort of why you think that stigma exists. And I wonder if you also think like, is it just that people don't know how to approach people that are different than them? Um, you know, they approached me at first because I was like pale white with blonde hair, um, 
thinking that I was just like them, you know, that I was born here and whatnot. And the moment that they realized that I wasn't, that was it for them. And they didn't want to be near me. But if a new kid came and they spoke English and they lived here all their life, then they would be friends automatically. It wasn't something like a fear of somebody like new, I guess, because they were very open to just like new kids and like making new friends. It was just, I guess, me and the other students like me that were immigrants that they didn't want to just like be around. I guess they just didn't want to be responsible for like teaching them the new ways of like a new system or anything. I just think that, um, again, it's just like going back to like that stigma, just like reflecting, like being a reflection of what their parents talk about when they hear in the news and everything that's going on. Yeah. It's it's sad to hear this, but I think it's especially poignant coming from somebody like you who has obviously overcome a lot of obstacles. You're talking about one that you overcome that you overcame socially, um, and and is off to to do great things. I think I think you know we could be on this topic for hours and never necessarily come to a solution. But I think voicing it, and particularly when it comes from you, um, is really powerful. So so I appreciate that. And and talking about those obstacles. Uh, I'm sure there were many uh, to get where you are now. And I'm sure there's lots of people as well who are listening who would love to know more about your experience as an English learner. So mm-hmm. could you talk to us a little bit about sort of your trajectory from where you started to where you are now? And I'll just remind folks that you came when you were nine from Cuba. At the beginning, you mentioned that. And in the fall, you're off to Dartmouth College. So what's that journey been like? <laughs> yeah. So it took a lot of people just supporting me, especially teachers. When I started in fourth grade here, um, obviously I didn't know anything like any like anything regarding English. But one thing that I did know was mathematics. And I believe three months after I started school, I had to take the FCATs, which are like the um, state final exams for you to like advance to another grade. I guess um, I didn't score like very good at all on any but math and I scored at four not out of like five points um not knowing any English and that was surprising to my teachers and so it's amazing yeah and then they put me in like a little bit of a more advanced fifth grade class and um when I scored a, like almost like perfect five I think I don't remember very well if it was in fifth or sixth grade um they realized that my mathematics level was way above average. And so they gave me the opportunity to start middle school in an advanced um, program. But the only setback was that I couldn't just take advanced mathematics. I had to take advanced everything, like across the board, everything had to be just at a higher level. And when I started sixth grade, I was reading at around the third grade level. And in my English class, the students were reading at a ninth grade level. And so you can understand the discrepancy uh-huh. between me and all of my peers. Quite a gap. Yeah, a, a huge gap. You know, I hate popcorn just because teachers would be like, oh, let's do popcorn reading. And somehow I would always land on me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so I just began to push myself a lot, like a lot just constantly reading and just trying to be at the level that my teachers expected of me because they, they were aware of the fact that I was like recently, that I just recently began to learn English, but that didn't 
like stop them from grading me at the same level as everybody else. And so um, I just kind of like let my parents down and like not bring the grades home that I was supposed to bring. And so I just pushed myself harder and harder. And so um, in eighth grade, I finished taking 10th grade courses uh, and did fantastically in them. And so when I started high school, given my track record in middle school of all the advanced classes that I would, um, I took, I began taking college level classes. And so um, that began opening some doors for me, being that just like college counselors um, like came next to me and started talking to me about colleges that were available. Because to me, I, college wasn't something that was feasible when I came here, that was just like a dream. And once I started high school, and I saw that it was something that I could actually, you know, that it was something that was attainable, my whole perspective started changing. Um, I just like, again, I stood my ground with mathematics and I just used it as like, like my force to, you know, um, just keep me through high school years because it's like my favorite subject. And I was able to finish calculus three on the fall semester of my senior year, um, which was very, um, it's a very hard task to do, but I mean, it's done and it was great. Um, and just having the opportunity of having just like teachers guide me and tell me, you know, um, you should probably um, take this class over that class just to like fill my resume because like my parents um, are not used to the system. They're not familiarized with everything that it takes to get into a college here. And so um, I was basically by myself and just guiding with the, using like the internal as like my compass and um, just like the teachers that would like give me recommendations. And so that was basically the academic side of getting to where I am right now. And just like the behind the scenes side was just like all the community service that I did looking back um, because I wanted to help students like me. And all of my efforts for community service have been geared at helping students that just need that extra push for minority students who are really like not given the same um, resources as other students and just like helping them like I was helped um, to just reach something that they just sort of like dream of and don't think that they can attain just to help them attain that as well. Yeah. Well, I, I have a couple follow-up questions because you just mentioned a lot of things that really that that come up like a lot in the work that we do. I mean, the whole elevation education. Our goal is to help maximize, um, you know, impact on English learners, and and we work with a lot of teachers who are trying to do that. So the first thing that I want to bring up is you talked first about the idea of sort of math, and I think you actually said at one point that math was like your. I don't know if you used the word power, but it sounded like math was like your force, right? The thing that you could do well. Yeah. There's been a lot of research lately that actually talks about how STEM courses, um, how a lot of English learners and former English learners are gravitating towards STEM courses because mm -hmm. language, um, it's not that it doesn't matter so much, but it's almost that it's its own language as it is. Like it, it's yeah. just another thing. You already have mm -hmm. the experience of sort of learning a language. And so that's, um, mm -hmm. that's something that people are, are, are geared toward. I guess that's more of a statement than a follow-up question. But my follow-up question is like you talked about how you know you sort of pushed yourself to take these courses that were rigorous and then the teachers knew that you were sort of 
you know, that you were not quite there with language and maybe they gave you the support that you needed. And that's also a balance that we try to find as teachers, which is where is the point where we push students, particularly English learners, give them the same opportunities that every other student has, mm-hmm. but, but also provide them with the scaffolds and the resources that they need to, to, to do that. So I guess my follow-up question is, is that something that you felt like you had to take on on your own? Like, did you need to just like do extra work and be like a super motivated student to get to where you were? Or were there scaffolds and supports provided to you either formally or informally for you to achieve the way you did during those middle school years when you were in those advanced classes? Um, Yeah, definitely. It was a lot of my own doing more than anything. I, it has to be the student who is motivated to do something for themselves. I had to rely on Google Translate for a lot of my writing. I had to just read all the books like by myself because I didn't have necessarily my parents to go to. And the teachers that I did have, um, their help was limited. I mean, they have a couple of hundred students that they have to take care of and um, I'm on, they're only available for me during a single class period. And so, yes, their help was great. Um, even their mentorship, like after school sometimes, but it takes a lot of like self-motivation. And if you find a student that is sacking in that area, I would just say to find the root of that problem because every student, I guess, has a dream that they want to achieve, especially like younger kids. They're like, what do you want to be when you grow up? And they have like an answer that motivation sort of like dies as one sort of like becomes aware of the real world and what they can attain. And so I guess for teachers would be find the root of the problem and just tell them that anything is attainable and just help them see sort of like build like a roadmap for them to help visualize um, that they can accomplish it, I guess. Yeah. And that, that increases motivation. And again, there's sort of, a lot of um, research and, and information out there that shows, you know, and it's obvious, I don't think we need researchers to tell us this, but there's stuff out there anyway, that says, well, what do you know? Like you get to know who your students are, you, you, you entrust them with certain things, they trust you. And then that leads to the motivation that's necessary to do the kinds of things that you did. Because at the end of the day, I think you're right, it is on the student to sort of be motivated, but that motivation is tough mm-hmm. to come by, particularly yeah. if, 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 like you said, your parents weren't really familiar with the system in the school, there's a lot of students who, who aren't either and who don't really get to that place because they don't have the support. So I'm really glad you mentioned that to have teachers kind of push students a little bit and really get to know them and, and understand what they want to do and, under, and look at them, especially English learners, as assets to our system, going back to our old immigration conversation that we were having earlier. Mm-hmm. These are people who are adding to the to the fabric of our communities, our schools, and, you know, in our, in our, in our country. So definitely. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah, that's really great. So I'm curious, given all that, like, what is there, could you point to like one class or one teacher? Uh, you don't have to name anybody by names if you don't want that. Maybe you had like a <laughs> profound impact on your education up to this point. Was there like a, a turning point or a specific class or teacher that you remember that really kind of made you, you know, succeed? Yeah. Um, from my very, very first day of high school, Miss Clark was my math teacher. And I was, I believe, one or two of the freshmen. Um, and the entire class, I was full of mostly juniors. And so she basically took me under her wings 
and just helped me get through all the hard times. And she, to this day, is my number one mentor. She was like my school mom. She was number one cheerleader. Um, everything that crossed my mind, she was so for it. Um, when I decided to run for um, school office, she was behind, like, you know, behind me, giving me her all. When I had the craziest idea to bring the Miami Heat cheerleaders to perform at a fundraiser for cancer research, she was like, let's do it. She got on the phone with the managers and we were able to carry it out. You know, um, it's just that she did more than just impart a lot of her knowledge and mathematics to me. She was just like my mentor. She took me like, you know, and she um, just helped me in everything that I needed. And she never said no. And so um, I, I owe a lot of my accomplishments to just like her support and her mentorship. That's wonderful. What a great tribute. And uh, Miss Clark, if you're listening, and I hope you are, because Melanie should be sharing this with you. <laughs> uh, thank you for for everything that you do, and obviously, I'm sure that you've inspired more students as well. So that's great. There's always it's always nice to pay tribute to those teachers. As someone who's a teacher for a long time, um, and teachers tell you this all the time in high school, but it does mean a lot um, when you mm-hmm. when when you hear thank you. So that's great. So let's talk about your future. Um, you're off to Dartmouth College, which we mentioned in the fall, which, by the way, is in my home state of New Hampshire, <laughs> although it's further north than where I live. Um, what are you most looking forward to about college, and how are you going to deal with uh, the the New England cold? Are you, are you ready for that? <laughs> I am definitely not ready for the cold. <laughs> I don't even know what to expect. Well, I've lived here all my life, so you, any advice that you need, you can reach out to me anytime. Thank you so much. Yeah, I haven't really experienced anything under like 40 that we get here in South Florida sometimes. Yeah, it'll be great. So looking forward to it. But um, <laughs> yeah, then what I'm just looking forward to in my college years is just the research that I'm going to be able to do um, just at that college undergraduate level at Dartmouth because Dartmouth is so um, focused on undergraduate and they're going to give me just all the resources I really need to explore just like my curiosity um, and just being able to find a problem and decide to go research on it and explore it and just maybe find something to help our community, you know? So that's really what I'm looking forward to, just that research portion of my undergraduate years. I love it. I think so much of it is about satisfying your curiosity. And I love it that you said finding a problem to solve. Is there specifically something that you're going to study? Have you chosen a major or do you know where the direction you're going to go yet? No pressure on that, by the way. I think you should take your time. <laughs> yeah. So I will be studying biomedical engineering and I want to focus on uh, just like the molecular level, gene therapy, everything that's going on with genetics right now, as I look forward to just going into med school and and just like studying anesthesiology and just becoming an anesthetist. Yeah. That's great. I, I would ask follow-up questions, but they would probably sound pretty ridiculous <laughs> because I don't have the knowledge necessary to ask those questions, but I'm sure that you uh, will do great things. And I know Dartmouth is a great place to do that and many other things as well. So my last question for you is probably the most important for, um, any student who, who might be listening or a parent of a student or a teacher who's trying to help students, what advice, and I think you've already given a lot of it, but if you could sum it up, 
mm-hmm. advice would you give to um, an English learner, a student who is just starting to learn English and maybe is facing some of the same challenges, both with the language and maybe the social aspect that you did when you came here? Yeah. So to the students, I would just say, don't let anybody bring you down. Don't let any comments bring your self-esteem down because you're capable of doing anything and everything that you put your mind into doing. You're so capable and only you define your limits. So you tell yourself what you want to accomplish. And it doesn't matter if society, if statistics even say that you can't, you can. Because let me tell you something. I went on a website that would just tell me um, sort of like the percent chance that I had to get into certain schools. And my percent chance of getting into Dartmouth was less than 5%. I'm not going to give you the numbers because they less than 5%. And look at where I am. Um, not even statistics um, define you. So just go on and conquer the world and be who you truly want to be. Not what anybody else tells you to be. And to just teachers and parents, I would just tell you that um, look after your children and not put any limits on them either. If they want to go and just, um, I don't know, like stay after school to just like do some research or just like spend time with their friends, allow them, like don't place any limits on them because you never truly know when their mind is going to click and when they're going to sort of like make that life-changing decision and just like be supportive of everything that they do. And even if they don't bring home the grades that you want them to, just be supportive of them and let them know that you are, you know, happy with everything that they're doing because every little detail can affect a child in a way that you would never understand. And so just be supportive and be there for them, even if you don't really understand what's going on. That's great advice for uh, students, teachers, and parents as well. Um, And I am not going to uh, try to sort of put that in or summarize that in any way, but I would highly recommend going back uh, one minute or so and listening to that again, because those were um, really poignant words. And Melanie, um, it has been a pleasure speaking with you. Congratulations again on winning the scholarship. I think that everybody uh, that has listened to this understands why you received the scholarship. And I think that you represent um, sort of the promise um, and the future um, and the hope that we have for students um, like you who are contributing amazing things to our communities. And um, just thank you so much for joining us and everything that you do. (laughs) Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to Highest Aspirations. If you liked our show, please be sure to join the ELL community at elevationeducation.com slash ELL community, where you'll find all the episodes of Highest Aspirations and other resources to help educators maximize the impact on their English language learners. Also, let us know how we're doing by writing a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts.